Let's, let us start. We're on Daflamet Hayamud Aleph, and we've been talking about the uh, the Beta Parva, which is the uh, the, the uh, kind of office, the room in which the Kohen Godel was prepared for his Avodah and Yom Kippur. And the Gemara asks, "My Parva, what does that word Parva mean?" Amar Rav Yosef, Parva means Amgusha. What does Amgusha mean? Says Rashi, "Mechashef Echad Bena'a Ushmo Parva." A magician built it, built it, and his name was Parva. Says, so looking over the the, the death, uh, as you said, the, the, the kind of the there was such fascinating Gemara and Amud Beis, but the very beginning of of the death, this Rashi just like really, it's. We named the Beit Parva after a magician who built it, but it, it gets even more it gets even more complicated than that. Um, so <coughs> if we go back to um, to Masechet Midot, which is where all the all the different dimensions of the Beis Hamikdash are given, <coughs> and you'll remember we learned that Masechet Midot, according to our Masorah, was written the the, the tan of, of most of the Mishnahs in Masechet Midot was Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov. Remember we had the shir when a couple of times at Daft Zayin and other places too. Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov says, "I've forgotten what this place was used for, what it was," and we said, "How can that be?" He, he's the tan of Masechet Midot. He was in the Beis Hamikdash himself, and we said they wanted they were trying to work it out from first principles. Principles, not just learn ties back to what we were doing yesterday, not, not just to be able to find the facts, but to actually reason out what it was used for. Anyway, Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov is the, the Tana in Masechus Midas, and in Masechus Midas, the Beis Aparavas also talked about, Lishkat Aparavasham Hayumolchi Marot Kodshim. In the Lishka itself, they used to salt these the skins for Kodshim. And on the roof of the Beta Parva was the the mikveh for the Kohen Godel for Yom Kippur. Uh, and also from downstairs, there was a spiral staircase up to that mikveh place. It was quite magnificent. And the Rav Mibaratunuri, we're going to be talking about the classical, the three most classical Meforshim um, on the Mishnayas. And they're, they're 200 years apart from each, we, from each other. We've got the Rav Mibaratunuri, who's, who's like the Rashi on Mishnayas. And we've talked about the Rav Mibaratunuri, he was Rov in Italy in Baratunura, born in Baratunura, was a Rov in Italy, eventually comes to Israel, you remember, comes to Yerushalayim, and there's 70 families in Yerushalayim and no money. So, so little money, there isn't even a Sefer Torah in Yerushalayim. This is 15th century. And he builds the structure of a community in Yerushalayim. The first, you know, in, in relatively modern times, meaning 15th century, he was the architect of the community of Yerushalayim. Till this day, the Hebrew Kedish in Yerushalayim he established. The, the, the first shul in the old city he established. He, he set up the whole community structure for Yerushalayim for 70 families. He brought his own money. He was a, a banker in, in, uh, in Italy and he used his own money to fund it because there just wasn't any there. And it all was ready. It's just one of these amazing cases of a trufa before the Makkah, where Hashem prepares the solution before the problem. Then you had Geirus Farad, then you had the expulsion from Spain, and a whole lot of important Gedoli Israel came to Yerushalayim, and there was already a community for them. He had, he had built it and prepared it. So that's the Rav. The Rav says, Lishkat Parva, Adam Mechashev Shishmo Parva Banaota Lishka Al He adds on Rashi. He built it using witchcraft. He used magic to build it. Not only was he a magician, he used magic to build it. Um, this is what I what I found. Um, and the Radvaz comments about the about the um, uh, the Rav that he had access to all the Rishonim of the time, and therefore his 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 work is incredibly important. And and when he says Kachmatzati, he found that in very old old sources. 
And the Rambam gives a, 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 another story, a little bit more like Tosfos, that there was a man who um, tunneled under the Besamikdash and made a hole in the floor so as to watch the Kohen Gadol during the Avodah. He died in the process, and they made they called this Beta Parve in his name. But leaving that aside, let's stay with the with the Rav. Uh, and the Rav then explains the whole thing with the Tevilus on Yom Kippur, and he says all of the Tevilus between the changing of the clothes that we've learned about had to be done in a place that was Kodesh, and the Beit Parva was built in a place that was Kodesh, it was part of the Azor itself, except for the first Tevilus which we learned about, where he was just changing from his weekday clothes into his Yom Tev, and his Big Day Kuna, that had to be done in Kol, and that wasn't done in the Beit Parva, but everything else explains the Rav was done in the Beit Parva. Um, and then we have the Tosfus Yomtev. So the Tosfus Yomtev is, is Yomtev Lippmann Heller. He's 200 years later. So he's now 17th century. And uh, well, very progressive also, a very progressive kind of thinking person. And he says he doesn't get this. That they would keep, if, it, if it's true that it was built with magic, that they would even keep that as part of the Beis Hamikdash. How would that be? Never mind. Name it after the magician. And so then he brings the Rush with a completely different explanation as to what this Beis Haparva is. Different from Rashi, different from everybody. Then we have the Tiferes Israel. The Tiferes Israel is again 200 years later. So the Tiferes Israel is now 19th century, also extremely progressive. The Tiferes Israel. Uh, uh, just opens the Mishnah for us, makes us intelligible, but he's, he's progressive in the sense he has a, a piece where he describes dinosaurs and he talks about prehistoric animals and he doesn't have a problem with them. Uh, and he talks, he has a piece where he talks about uh, how non-Jews in some ways are on a higher level than Jews. Don't think that non-Jews are, are, are necessarily on such a low spiritual level compared to Jews. That isn't so. Uh, just an, in, an interesting person altogether. And as a result of that, he was... Um, he was criticized, of course. He was very controversial. The, a lot of people didn't like what he's done, but he's found his way into the main, uh, into the canon of the main Mephoshim of the Mishnah. Um, it, it's interesting that the, the Tosfos Yom Tov also had a very difficult life when he, in his 50s, he was reported to the authorities for attacking Christianity in his work, which he doesn't do anywhere. Uh, and eventually was, he was accused of not fulfilling or undermining the Pope's instruction that the Talmud should be burnt. This was later than the first burning, which was in the 13th century. Uh, and he was put into jail. He was sentenced to death. Uh, he escaped that, and he, he carried on a, 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 an important life. The Tosfus Yomtov was a Talmud of the Maharalmi Prague and the Klayokar, who we talked about in yesterday's, in yesterday's Matmonium Shir. So um, that, that's where he fits in. And the... Um, and then we have the Tosfus Yomtov, and we have the, um, then, then we have the Tosfus Yomtov, and then we have the Tifes Yisrael. The Tifes Yisrael says that about this Beit HaParva, there was an amazing plumbing system that got the water up to the roof. But often it's not in a way that it's not Maim Shuvim, so it's kosher for a mikveh. But the great Halishkazot, Hashem Adam Shebena'abu Manut Nifla Augdola. And this office is called in the name of the architect who did it most brilliantly. To bring the water up through the walls. It looked as if it was magic. It looked magical. The water just came and it appeared. That's what it means. That's how I understand the Gemara here with Amgushi. So that you don't have the kasha of the Tosvus Yomtev. 
in a wonderful way all on its own. What's important about this, and this is the real Mahmoud, is to understand the Torah's approach to technology. Here's, a, here's an example of technology. So the, the, there's a magical effect created by technology. So what do we do with it? Do we say, ah, you know, it's just, it's just technology. We, not only do we keep it, we celebrate it, and we call it Beta Parva, because it's so magical. What does magical mean? Magical can mean lots of things. It can mean sleight of hand. That's not what I'm talking about. We think of magic as being something supernatural. That's not what I'm talking about. When we say something's magical, it's also about our response to it, as the Tiferet Yisrael says. When you looked at it, it looked like magic. When you come into, a, into a, a hall or a home that's beautifully decorated with little twinkling lights and flowers and everything, you walk in and you say, wow, it's magical. What does that mean? That sense of you're in a wonderland. You know, it doesn't mean it was done supernaturally. You know, somebody put it all together. There's an explanation for everything. The fact that there's an explanation doesn't undermine the magic. And that's how we become stale and old. When you start looking at magical things and just because it's rational, you yeah, understand it's technology. It's high tech. No, it's magic. When I stood watching the first night, watching the... Iron Dome shooting down rockets. We had a beautiful view from our house. I was so mesmerized. I didn't, didn't enter my mind to go into this, but my mind. I was so mesmerized by the magic of it. It was magical. Now, of course, I know this technology. Technology doesn't undermine the magic. If you think how little children look at technology, I remember the first time I showed my children a fax, and I showed them we sent a fax to, to Eric Kerbel. With the first fax that we sent, and they looked, and then Eric sent one back, and they said, where did it go? How did it get there? There was the sense of magic, and then we lose it. Then it becomes vochadik, it becomes every day. You see in the Gemara, don't lose the sense of wonder and magic. Be like a child. It doesn't matter that there's a rational explanation for it. That doesn't mean it's less magic. There's a rational explanation for the Bria Sa'ilom. The scientists will figure it out. Hashem did it in a scientific way. Hashem doesn't do things irrationally. There's a scientific way that the world was created. The Kuzari says the creation of a human being is a scientific way, and we'll find, we'll find the formula one day, and we'll be able to create people, the Kuzari says. It doesn't mean that it's not rational because it's magical, but, if it's, but also don't lose the magic. Keep that childlike wonder about things that, that look magical, that feel magical, and see the magic and feel the magic and the wonder every time you use a computer, every time something works. And it is Nisim as well, whether you're thinking of the Iron Dome or you're thinking about turning the light switch on or opening a faucet, a tap, any of these things, it is. How many Nisim have to take place? What has to be in place to make it all work? How many millions of things have to be in place to enable an, an airplane to fly from, from Tel Aviv to New York safely? How many people were involved in that? How many decades of history were involved in that? How many things had to be invented and created? How many people had to collaborate? How many people still have to... You just think of it. It's wonder. It's unbelievable. And we mustn't allow the fact that it's rational to destroy the magic. Rationality and magic are not in opposition to one another. They support one another. And magic is the way we respond. The rational science is how it's done. But how it's done is not the only thing that's important. What impact does it have on us? And to be able to retain that wonder, that inability, that it's like a mechashef, 
This, this engineer is like a mechashef, says the Tiferes Yisrael. Doesn't mean he did it with witchcraft. That would never have been part of the Beis HaMikdash if it was done with witchcraft. But when you look at it, it's just so awe-inspiring that this can be done, that it was called Beis HaParva in name of the architect that designed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.